Good morning, faithful listener. You are listening to the Bible Explained podcast, where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and stay tuned as we read through the book of John. Hi, and good morning, faithful listeners. This is the Bible Explained podcast, and my name is Jen. I am the host here. Today, we're going to be discussing John chapter six and finishing it up. And I'd like to actually jump right into this episode because I think it's going to be kind of long. It's going to be like uh, 30 verses here. So let's go ahead and read this. John chapter six, verses 41 through 71. And yeah, make sure to grab your Bible and your cup of coffee. And let's go ahead and start reading. I'll be reading the WEB version or the World English Bible. The Jews therefore murmured concerning him because he said, I am the bread which came down out of heaven. They said, isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How then does he say, I have come down out of heaven? Therefore, Jesus answered them, don't murmur among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up in the last day. It is written in the prophets. They will be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who hears from the father and has learned comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father, except he who is from God, he has seen the Father. Most certainly, I tell you, he who believes in me has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread which comes down out of heaven, that anyone may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. Yes, the bread which I will give for the life of the world is my flesh." The Jews therefore contended with one another, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus therefore said to them, Most certainly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you don't have life in yourselves. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood lives in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me, he will also live because of me. This is the bread which came down out of heaven, not as our fathers ate the manna and died. He who eats this bread will live forever. He said these things in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples murmured at this, said to them, Does this cause you to stumble? Then what if you would see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and are life. But there are some of you who don't believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who didn't believe and who it was who would betray him. He said, For this cause I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it is given to him by the Father. At this, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Jesus said therefore to the twelve, You don't also want to go away, do you? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered them, Didn't I choose you, the twelve, and one of you is a devil? Now he spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. For it was he who would betray him, being one of the twelve. All right, so in verses 41 and 42, we can see that the Jewish people are mad. It says they're murmuring or complaining about Jesus because he had said, I am the bread which came down out of heaven. So if you listen to Tuesday's episode, we talked about how Jesus had mentioned that he was the bread of life. 
and that he was the bread that the father had sent down from heaven. So because Jesus said that the people got mad because they're like, we know your parents. Like, what do you mean you came down out of heaven? Like we we know your parents, Mary and Joseph. And so how can you say that you came down out of heaven? So Jesus says, don't complain among yourselves. Don't murmur. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up in the last day. It is written in the prophets. They will all be taught by God. And I mean, this is Jesus foreshadowing the Holy Spirit's coming and like residing in people because that wasn't the case yet. The Holy Spirit did not reside or live in individual people like the Holy Spirit does now. Rather, the Holy Spirit lived in the temple. And that's what the Israelites knew. They knew the Holy Spirit resided in the temple. So Jesus is foretelling when the Holy Spirit is no longer going to live just in the temple, but is going to reside in each individual person. And now, of course, each person who is a Christian, like a true Jesus follower, is called the temple of God. Then Jesus goes on to say, not that anyone has seen the Father, except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Most certainly, I tell you, he who believes in me has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread which comes down out of heaven that anyone may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down out of heaven. Anyone who eats of this bread will live forever. Yes, the bread which I will give for the, li for the life of the world is my flesh. He's saying that he came down out of heaven and anyone who believes in him has eternal life. And because the manna in the wilderness had been mentioned, we talked about that on Tuesday, Jesus mentions the manna here. He's like, you guys think of that manna in the wilderness as something so like, like miraculous. And you want that again from me now, because remember, Jesus had fed the 5,000. But yet the, the people who ate of the manna in the wilderness, they all died. They all died. But I'm coming down to you guys from heaven and I am offering you the bread of life. So what Jesus offers is like so much better than the miracle of the manna in the wilderness that these people wanted. Now, there's an interesting thing here that I want to mention, which is verse 44. And I think this is where a lot of uh, the Calvinist beliefs come from. It says, no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him and I will rise him up in the last day. Now, Calvinists take this to mean that God chooses people, which, yes, he does. There are uh, scriptural references of God choosing his people. That is factual. However, the I, I can't fully get behind the Calvinist movement because Calvinists, in a way, kind of believe that there's really no free will in that a person cannot freely choose Jesus. So they'll take verses like this, the Calvinists, and be like, yes, like God chooses people for salvation. However, I'm going to pause on that for a moment and come back to this at the end. And I'm going to show you why I believe that uh, God, like specifically choosing somebody for salvation is not completely the case. I'll, I'll come back to that. But anyway, the people get mad when Jesus says, I am the living bread, which came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. Yes, this bread, which I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Now, people get mad about that. They're like, what is this cannibalism that Jesus is talking about? How can this man give us his flesh to eat? <laughs> which to be fair, like if I were in that crowd, I probably would have thought the same thing. Like if Jesus was saying this, I'd have been like, that is extreme. Like, that's an interesting point of view that this guy is saying, you know, 
And so you can kind of see a little bit why the people were getting kind of shocked at that. But Jesus goes on to explain what he means. He says, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you don't have life in yourselves. Anyone who eats of my flesh and drinks of my blood has eternal life. I'll raise him up in the last day. My flesh is food. My blood is drink. But if you look at what Jesus is saying here, he is showing that he is willingly offering his life to people. Now, of course, because Jesus had not yet died, a lot of people just don't understand this. Even the disciples had no clue. They just didn't get it until after Jesus had died and risen, risen again. So the, the people are extremely confused at what Jesus is saying, that he is laying down his life. He is offering up his life. Now, also, you can see the connection of this, of what Jesus is talking about here, with communion. How the communion, I guess, meal that we share together on Sundays is Jesus's flesh and also his blood. It's a representation of his flesh and blood. Now, of course, this isn't actually Jesus's real flesh and blood. Some people do like to claim that, by the way. They like to say that uh, the, the bread that we eat on Sundays is Jesus's true flesh. The second we eat it, it becomes Jesus's like flesh in our mouth. And same with the cup, like the wine or the juice or whatever we drink on Sundays. As soon as we start, you know, drinking it, it becomes Jesus's blood like his real blood in our mouths. That's absurd. That's not what Jesus is saying here at all. And there's no scriptural reference of that, by the way. Rather, communion is symbolism of Jesus's life being given for us. You know, because Jesus's blood is what washes away our sins. And when we chew on the bread, it's a representation of what we did to Jesus. You know, we crushed him. We crushed his body in a sense. And so we're crushing the bread with our teeth. And then that's like the sin, you know, of what we did. But the blood washes all of that sin away. So that's the representation of communion. And that's why we take communion on Sundays is a picture for us. And it's also a way to remember what Jesus did for us. And it's a beautiful representation also. And it's one that's meant to be done with a lot of grief. And during that time, if you go to a church during communion Sunday, a lot of times the pastor will say something like, you know, bow your heads in remembrance of this, you know, think about your sins, think about all of that and how those things were washed away. And so it's a time for us to gather, to remember that, and a time to remember to confess our sins to Jesus. So really, John chapter six is a foreshadowing of communion also. Now, the people get mad about this. They're like, how can, you know, this is hard. This is a very hard saying. This is cannibalism. And of course, the, the Pharisees, we know that Jesus was in the temple at this time because it says in verse 59, he said these things in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. So he was, you know, basically at a church service in a sense. And so he's teaching these things to the people. And of course, the Jewish leaders, I'm sure, are there. There are several Jewish leaders there that are probably like, this is ridiculous. This is cannibalism, trying to turn the people away from what Jesus is saying. So Jesus turns to his disciples, which he has a lot of them, by the way. There was not just uh, 12 disciples. There was actually probably hundreds of disciples that Jesus had. So he turns to some of his disciples and they're murmuring is what it says. So in other words, they're complaining. And there is a dispute happening, by the way, between the people. Some people were saying like, yeah, this this makes sense. Like, we can kind of get behind this. And some other people were like, no way. This is cannibalism. This is ridiculous, you know. So the disciples are like, you know, complaining about this, murmuring about this. And Jesus is like, does this 
cause you to stumble? I mean, really, if you think about it, this truly is the basics of Christianity. You know, Jesus dying for our sins so that we can live eternally with him. And that's kind of what Jesus is just talking about here, like the basics of Christianity. But this is causing his disciples to stumble. In other words, to disbelieve in what Jesus is saying. Jesus is like, if you can't even handle this, this basic understanding of what I'm about to do for you, how are you going to be able to handle when I ascend up into heaven again? You can't even handle this. So now the disciples turn away from Jesus is what it says in verse 66. At this, many of the disciples went back and walked with him no more. And it's a very uh, sad verse if you think about it. I can imagine the Pharisees were pretty happy about that, though. Jesus suddenly lost a, a lot of disciples. There was a lot of them. It says many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. We don't know how many that was, but I would guess it was a, a fair number, a fair number of disciples. And I'm sure the, the Pharisees were applauding themselves. They're probably like, yay, less people for Jesus. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So then Jesus turns to his 12 disciples and he says, you don't also want to go away, do you? I, th I kind of feel like this is a sadness that Jesus is sort of expressing here. They don't have the capacity to understand this. They turn away from Jesus and call him like a cannibal. You know, I mean, I can imagine that, that was quite hard for Jesus, especially when he's really putting it in basic terms. Like this isn't, this isn't like rocket science he's he's giving to the people. Like I said, this is truly the basics of Christianity. But because it is so, so different from what the people understood, they just refuse to understand it. So Jesus tells his disciples, you, you guys don't also want to go away, do you? Because of what I just said. So Peter answers him, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. So Peter has enough faith to realize that even though some of this stuff makes zero sense to him, that Jesus is still God, that Jesus is still the son of God. He is still the Messiah. So in the end, it's all going to iron out. And that I can imagine that Peter is confused, <laughs> just as many people probably would be. But because Peter has enough faith in Jesus that Jesus is the Messiah, he chooses to trust in Jesus's words. So he says, you have the words of eternal life, which is a beautiful, a beautiful statement. And I really love that verse. It's one of my, it's actually one of my favorite verses. Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words of eternal life. So when things get hard, this is a verse that I've thought about a handful of times when, when things have gotten hard for me, where else would I go? You know, when I was doubting my, my faith, and I, I was doubting even that God existed years ago. This was a verse that regularly came up for me because I went through a long period of doubting in God off and on. This was a verse that kept popping up. Where else would I go? You know, like what else is the truth? I don't think there's there is no other truth out there. You can see how messed up the world is because they don't have the truth. They're like making up what the truth is and it's not a truth, it's a lie. And honestly, you can see how depressed some of these people are who are like, you know, quote unquote, living their truth. They're some of the de most depressed people I have ever met because they're, they're not living truth, really. 
So, I mean, where else would we go? What else is the truth? There is no other truth. This is the truth. And even though it's hard to understand sometimes, even though it's hard to be a Christian, because, you know, Christians are persecuted left and right, even in America sometimes. I mean, even though it's hard, where else would you go? What else would you believe in? There's nothing else. And like I said, this is one of my favorite verses. Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words of eternal life. So Jesus answers them, didn't I choose you, the 12, and one of you is a devil? Now he spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for it was he who would betray him being one of the 12. So there we go. I, I This is the verse I wanted to talk about regarding the Calvinism movement. And the reason I can't fully get behind, you know, Jesus choosing people for, for salvation is actually because of this verse. Yes, God the Father, I think, does choose people. It's mentioned in Scripture. I mean, Jesus chose the 12, right? He chose each person to come and follow him. But one of them was Judas Iscariot, the betrayer, the person who had Satan inside of him. Yet Jesus didn't force Judas to become a Christian, did he? He chose him for sure. He chose Judas to follow him. But it was Judas's choice to not have faith in Jesus. It was Judas's choice in the end. And that's kind of where I think free will comes in. Yes, I, I do believe that God the Father chooses people to follow Jesus, but it's also through our faith. In fact, many times when Jesus performs miracles, he can't do so without the faith of the person who is receiving the miracle. That's why Jesus often says, you know, your faith has healed you. Your faith has, you know, saved you. And then, of course, there's that verse, by faith, we are saved through grace. And of course, all we have to do is just have faith in Jesus. We have to have the faith. God doesn't force that faith on us. We have to have that faith in Jesus. And perhaps sometimes God does pull us towards that faith. I do believe that also. But it's our choice in the end. It's our choice to have faith or not to have faith. But then, of course, God does the rest once we come into that uh, movement of faith. Now, this kind of goes back to an earlier part of this chapter in verse uh, 29 of this same chapter, John 6. It actually says, Jesus answered the crowds, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. Really, this is the entire theme, I would say, of this chapter is just faith. We have to have faith that Jesus is who he says he is, that he is the son of God, that he is the bread of life. Because of course, where else would we go? What else would we believe in if we don't believe in Jesus? Alrighty, friends. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode and that you subscribe to the podcast and also to the YouTube channel. I am coming out with a new YouTube video very soon. I do not share those on the podcast. So those are exclusively for YouTube. So go over to the YouTube channel. You'll find it linked in the description of this podcast episode. Subscribe to it and uh, check out the video that will be coming out very soon. Now, of course, if you would like to support the Bible Explained podcast in a different way, go over and check out the t-shirt shop because I have some really cool t-shirts in there that I think you guys will like. And they're also extremely soft and comfortable. Faithful listeners, I will see you tomorrow morning for an episode out of Deuteronomy, and I hope to see you there. Happy listening, and God bless.